the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Hello and welcome to episode number 24 of the Sports Nuts Podcast, the podcast where we talk about, I bet you you guessed it already, sports. And if, if you're wondering here or there, it, we, we are a hockey-centric sports podcast. Why? Because we're doing it and we like it. That's right. We talk about we. It's me, Tracy, otherwise known as Holster. And with me, as always, which I'm very thankful for, the one, the only... I'm going to be gender neutral here. Mr. or Ms., whatever he decides, I don't care. Bruce. How are you doing today, Bruce? I'm doing okay. I'm living the life of a bitter Bruin fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a Stars fan, it's kind of like, woohoo! Yeah. But uh, I'll get into that in a little bit about uh, why I'm holding my breath. Oh, fair enough. You know, in fact, one of the things you'll probably want to check in on a little bit later is uh, uh, the CFL because uh, their season's just right around the. Yeah, actually, CFL, the week two is in the books. Week two is in the books in the CFL. Uh, and my uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers had to buy the first week. And so they won the second week. So they're 1 and 0. Saskatchewan Rough Riders, tough start. New stadium, 0 and 2. Tough, tough start. Wow, where have I been? I thought that wasn't for another week or so. No, no, it's uh season this this is week number 2. Matter of fact, uh which is very cool, all of uh ESPN's games, they keep them on for a week. So if you go to your ESPN online, you're watching ESPN app and you go to football and replay, uh right now there is one, two, three, four, five, six games that you can watch uh one from the 24th one from the 25th one from the 29th two from the 30th and one from the first so you can go back and watch it and the winnipeg blue bomber game saskatchewan rough rider game from uh that was on july 1st was a good game it was a very good game it started off uh i'm not going to say who in case you want to watch it one team kind of dominated the other came back and dominated then the other team came back and tied it and it went into overtime i'll tell you that so that was a very good game i guess you guys know i talked about the blue bombers are one and the rough riders are oh and two i guess you guys know who won but uh if you want to watch a good game that was a good game Ah, holy smoke. You know, I feel like the sporting news, a week behind in everything. Uh, and here I was feeling really proud of myself because uh, earlier in the day, I actually had some moments to look into a few teams. And I was looking at the Ottawa Red Blacks because I was thinking, geez, really, is that the best you could do? But after doing some research, I realized that uh, uh, the folks who owned the team prior to the current owners took Rough Riders with them. So that's kind of a jerk move. So I guess ultimately uh, they had a uh, contest to name the new team, and Red Blacks was the winner. Yeah, well, actually, there was two Rough Riders. Up at when Ottawa's team closed about, I'm guessing, about 10 years ago, uh, 10, 12 years ago, it closed down. So there was actually two Rough Riders in the uh, CFL. When Ottawa came back, Saskatchewan kind of said, hey, come on, guys. And Ottawa was like, yeah, that's fine. We, we There was no bitter, no nothing about all the Ottawa fans about wanting Rough Riders back. I think they wanted their own true identity. So there, there was I see no bitter feelings. There's always going to be some people out there saying, no, that's wrong. But uh, they came back and then the Red Blacks, because Red Blacks goes back to their old term, uh, like the red and black plaid. Uh, for loggers. So you'll see a lot of logging stuff there, you know, like if you see a logger or something like that, that's a term they gave the people in the area of loggers were the red blacks. And so from looking at the French uh, translation, it, it, I guess it's, uh, what is it? Rouge de Noir. So huh, there you go. Exactly. Now here's a trivia question. What is the oldest professional sports team in the Western Hemisphere? Wow. You can just see the smoke rising out of my ears right now. Uh, <laughs> I give up. Who is it? Toronto Argonauts. They were actually formed. I just found this out this last weekend. 
because uh, uh, July 1st was actually Canada Day. That's like their 4th of July, July 1st. And so during the Blue Bomber Saskatchewan games, they had a few trivia stuff along the way. And one of them was, you know, because Canada is 150 years old uh, this this last Saturday. They're 150 years old. Well, the Trago Argonauts were started two or three years after the country was formed. So the Trago Argonauts are like 147, 148 years old. So they are the oldest sports franchise team in the Western Hemisphere. Now, that's interesting because now I need to really look into the history of professional football in general because the NFL is celebrating, well, they're closing in on 100, but still, that's uh, that's a long ways off from uh, where Canada is already. So I, I never really knew that, actually, the um, when you look at it. So the sport clearly must have migrated south. Yes, uh, it's. CFL has its origins from soccer and rugby, especially a lot of rugby style, and they kind of merged it into their own. A few years ago, the CFL had the Grey Cup. That's like the Lombardi, the Super Bowl winner, gets uh, the Grey Cup. Uh, a couple years ago was their 100th year of the Grey Cup, and they were around a few years before that. So, yeah, it's been around a long time. Uh, one of the reasons that it came down, it's a shorter field. I don't. I think I said this before is on the college campuses to get it to fit uh they put they try to squeeze a football field in all the tracks and the tracks were kind of standard size because if you look at especially junior highs and stuff like that you'll see the track and inside the track is the football field well the u.s tried to fit it in so we had a smaller field that's why the field is smaller for nfl hmm. and i'm also guessing that in canada they're probably running off the metric system too i would imagine Yes, uh, if I am not mistaken, um, although they say 10 yards, I could be very wrong here. I thought I read it years ago. They switched actually a meter. So you're actually, it's a 100-meter long football field, even though they call it yards. Uh, I could be very wrong there, but for some reason I read that somewhere. So, I, yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I, I still think they use the yards up there, too. If it is a meter, they call it yards because everything is a yard. So uh, they might stick that. And although very metric-oriented all over, when you go into Canada, it, last time I was up there, oh, it was a little while ago, I did a little experiment. Everything was kilometers, you know, meters, and all that. Except if you ask somebody their height, it was always in feet and inches. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. So I think there's still some remnants. So I, 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 they call it yards, but if, if it's a meter, they still call it yards. Okay, fair enough. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there because uh, I I have no idea. So uh, good stuff to know. Exactly. But yeah, it's uh, so far no real surprises. Who's doing what, where, and why. The Red Blacks did win the Grey Cup last year, so they're defending champions. Uh, the teams that are supposed to look good are looking good. The teams that are supposed to be, eh, you don't know. Uh, Saskatchewan's 0-2. Uh, I thought they'd maybe be 1-1 right now. But, uh, yeah, they're yeah. Uh, a couple explosive teams. You know, uh, uh, the one thing I found is it took the Blue Bombers a little bit to keep going, but they're turning into an explosive, explosive offense, which is kind of nice and it's fun to watch. Uh, and what I've seen so far watching the games, I'm not just saying because the Blue Bombers are my team, I think they have the best offensive line in the CFL right now. Very, very good. Oh, uh, it, it, you could see it since this was the first game they had to buy the first week. You could see that as the game went on, them gelling more and more and more, which is just going to get better. So, for I think their offensive line is really good. It, I equate it to how dominant they are. I shouldn't say dominant, how good they are compared to other teams. It's kind of like you look at Dallas Cowboys offensive line. You just know they're good, and you look at it and see what they can do. Although they can have bad games, you can see the difference how that offensive line is better than other ones. So that's how I kind of equate it. So that's kind of nice uh, after so many last few years of just awful football in Winnipeg. Uh, the Bombers are finally coming back. Now here's a question. Where do you get your information from? Uh, because a couple of sites I've actually tried to use aren't rendering very well for me. Uh, I'm trying to use the TSN site, but uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if uh, JavaScript or Flash is having a really hard time in the version of Firefox I'm using. But uh, that's 
it's funny because the NFL site stopped working for me about two weeks ago, too. So I've been relying on a site called Three Down Nation. Oh, um, I've been there. I I get my news TSN. Uh, it's been fine. I'm using Opera right now. Uh, I haven't had an issue. I have issues with other stuff with Opera, but seems to be fine. Uh, TSN and regular uh, CFL.ca because it's not .com.ca. So CFL.ca had they have a lot of great information there too. And during the games, when I watch it, they do a really good job of talking other teams. Uh, it's not just about these two teams now. They'll talk a lot of other teams. They'll show a lot of replays from other teams. On that, so that's pretty nice too. And if you watch the ESPN, somewhere in the game at the beginning, so a lot of times they show it before the game begins and at halftime. It's like a one-minute commercial. Uh, the major differences between the NFL and the CFL, which is kind of nice. Oh, yeah, no doubt about. Oh, um, well, I'm looking forward to the season. I mean, I'll catch up on some of these games. Uh, well, clearly the weekend has gotten away from me, but um, uh, I will focus on the upcoming week. Yeah, the next game is this Thursday night at uh, 6.30 Central Time, so 7.30 your time. Uh, the BC Lions are at the Montreal Alouettes. So this Thursday night, there's a game, and Friday and two Saturday. All right, time to charge up those mobile devices. Uh, there you go, there you go, exactly. So uh, get right into some news. Uh, I think the big news of the last few days is, to me, is Kalvachuk uh, is returning to the KHL. Uh, he said he might want to play. He didn't know. Uh, legally, the Devils have uh, rights to him, but it's been kind of, I heard rumors here and there, basically you can get the rights to him for a cup of coffee, basically, because uh, uh, although they want him to play, he says he doesn't mind playing there, but he doesn't know. So I got a feeling he wouldn't. So reports are you can get the rights to him for almost nothing, but he wants to go back to the KHL for one more season. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with his family and his wife and everything like that. So I, I, I think uh, I think that's the main reason. Uh, although I'd like to see him here because he's a good player, uh, I'm glad he's doing what he wants to do, and he can obviously stay close to home. Well, the rumor, at least according to the New York Post, is actually the Devils bungled his um, return to the NHL. Um, and it had a lot of office, I guess, not handling uh, the request as they had hoped, uh, or uh, uh, Kovalchuk had hoped. But uh, I guess we'll wait and see how it turns out. But, uh, you know, again, interesting that uh, Kovalchuk would rather take a chance on a league that's barely solvent at this point um, to pass up another opportunity in the NHL. But, uh, you know what? Uh, there's. There's plenty of opportunity there. He can come back anytime he wants. And let's face it, um, there's there's such a shortage of premium players as it is. Uh, we'll get into the uh, the flotsam and jetsam in a bit. Yeah, I, th I really don't think the money is a big issue anymore. I think he banked his money. Uh, when I saw an uh, article uh, with Sporting Newt, was it Sporting News? I forgot, Sporting News or ESPN, whatever, I don't know. But the first year after he went back to the KHL, they went over there and interviewed, and they had some pictures and everything like that. You know, he's living. He's living very modestly, nothing big. And he said he's really enjoying it. And he even said, I'm finding out money isn't everything. I'm very, very happy what I'm doing here. I'm not making as much. But he said, I already made my money. So I don't think money... Is this important to him? Maybe that's why he's going back to saying, hey, uh, maybe they were saying, you know, hey, he's available. The, you know, devils were, but uh, maybe he wasn't. And maybe he was just kind of mad at that. So he's going back to show them, I don't need you anymore. That's that's a guess there. But I really think he's very happy, uh, you know, in the KHL right now. Because like you said, he's made his money and he's, you know, fine. Anything else on Kalvachuk? No, I'm pretty pretty much uh, trying to figure out exactly. Well, I'm sure Boston's trying to figure out what they're trying to do too. But um, I haven't been a fan of the off season so far at this point, uh, as opposed to what's happening to your team in Dallas. 
I'm very happy. <laughs> After we kind of uh, stopped recording, uh, Hansel signs the three-year deals with the stars. And I was like, heck yeah. All right. We get Hansel, you know, uh, coming off could be one of those players, you know, that has great or kind of, eh. You know, you, you don't quite know, but uh, odds are it's going to be better or not. And I was pretty happy. Uh, Hansel and uh, not too uh, long before that, you know, trading to get the thought, you know, is a good defensive player. And then lo and behold, yesterday I kind of wake up and I'm uh, outside. I'm actually digging a trench by hand. That's always fun for a water line. And had the news going and I was listening to TSN. That's an, I should say that's another place I get mine. Um, uh, I listen to TSN uh, Winnipeg, and I get a lot of hockey talk and a lot of CFL news. So, man, I forgot about that. I do that, too. And that's a sports radio show I prefer in the morning. Listening to them, and their host says, Dallas gets somebody else. And he was kind of like, man. And I was like, ooh, who did they get? And I'm going to leave this to you. Who did they sign yesterday? Radeloff from Montreal and why they gave up, <laughs> exactly. why they gave up a top score. I, I'm beside myself now. Well, when they talked to him, they he's two things he said when they asked him where was Montreal, and he says Montreal was in the neighborhood per year, but they only wanted two years. They says maybe we'll go to a three, and that's it. That's all they would do. And Dallas gave him the same money in five years, and he took it. And then he also said, "I did not take into into sake the taxes he'll save being a resident here." So then he says, so I'll actually make a lot more. But he said, I really didn't take that in consideration. I'll just be making more because of the tax, you know, benefit you get uh, being a Texas resident. But, yeah, they said the Montreal was the same same neighborhood, he said. But two, and they said maybe they'll push it to a third. But, nope, Dallas gave a full five. Well, good for them. Uh, also, I mean... Uh, I know why this happened because I mean, you look at they signed Carey Price to ten, uh, ten years, ten million. No, I'm sorry, eight years, ten million. And uh, uh, I guess if you want the best goalie in the NHL, you've got to pay him some kind of cash. Yeah, uh, which I it's I'm very happy, but like I said before, the Stars have a tendency to really build like this every now and then. And just have a big flop on our hands. I don't want to jinx it. don't want to do any of that. On paper, they're a pretty darn good team. You look at them, and they're a good, solid team. They've, Although they could be a little better on the blue line, uh, they've uh, solidified that quite a bit with their experience and who they signed uh, and who they let go, which is another thing, uh, and not let go through the expansion draft. And maybe this is why they made uh, who who did oh shoot my mind's going blank from uh, Dallas who who did they let the go for the expansion draft? Well, Cody Eakins was the only one I could think of right off the bat. Yep, that's who I was trying to say. Yeah, Eakin. Maybe that's why they were thinking. Everybody's like, boy, Eakin. You know, he, you know that they're maybe losing a little offensive punch here. Okay, now I know why. You know, with Handall and rule off them i was thinking maybe one of them i wasn't thinking signing both so maybe that's why maybe they knew they were going after both so very more happy that they uh had more forwards open instead of uh d d now well and then my focus goes back to the fine folks north of you which is uh uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, because Patrick Kane left, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Patrick Sharp uh, left Dallas to go back to the Blackhawks for one season. And I'm not sure if it's some kind of work release program that Chicago has, where it's like, you know, these players have gone to the cup, maybe they felt they underperformed, send them away, get them uh, to feel what it's like to not play in the playoffs or in the cup finals, and then maybe bring them back on with the hopes that they would recapture the fire that brought them to the cup. But I'll tell you that there are some big missteps in Chicago. Yeah, well, Sharp, uh, I don't even know if Dallas offered him a contract. I, I didn't even hear if they did or not. Huge disappointment here. Um, huge, huge. Although Dallas isn't a real city who will boo its fans too much. Uh, New York, Boston, Philly, they will boo you outright. If you're underperforming, unless you're talking smack, Dallas is really, really forgiving. So I, they never booed them once, but injury and just not having a good year at all. Uh, I think, 
I could be very wrong here, but he looked his age. He really looked his age last year. Could just be me. It could have been the injury-riddled year with everybody being injured. Uh, maybe Chicago going back there will give him a little more spark and everything because I do like him as a player and as a person, but it's just a bad year. So, like I says, I didn't even hear if they offered him a contract. I, I don't even know if they did. No, actually, they didn't. They, they were okay with just letting him go, as they probably should. I mean, let's face it. Uh, the reason why he performed as well as he did in Chicago as well, I suppose if my line mates were Taze and, and Kane, I too would be scoring points. And he didn't have that in Dallas. But I think that it also probably underscored, uh, you know, if it's a lesson that Chicago was trying to show him, hoping that that was well, well received. And maybe that's the spark when he comes back because Hosa is not going to be on that top line. And not that he was either, but uh, with uh, Kane, uh, I mean, sorry, Sharp coming back, um we'll see what happens but i'm writing chicago off this year because you know whatever they had the, they've even lost the edge with uh going to uh um nashville and i'm still trying to recover from that there are a lot of lot of free agents this time of year that even though they weren't gigantic or marquee names a lot of good choices slip by boston's potential hands yeah, just this, let me look here. Boston did a trade this last Thursday or Friday. Um, do you remember the trade? I'm going to look it up right now, if not. Uh, short answer, no. But, I mean, I think that a lot of the players that they've uh, picked up were unremarkable. I mean, there was Postma they picked up from Winnipeg. Uh, they just signed August to a, a contract. And I know that there was one other player in the mix somewhere, but I'm so indifferent to the folks that they picked up here. Yeah, here, bum, bum, bum. Really not even in the top news. So it, I thought it was a bigger trade, but nope. Uh, the big one is just the buyouts. So uh, uh, where does it say? Jimmy Hayes uh, is in the buyout for the Bruins. Oh, good riddance. Uh, that's, that was such a stupid move. Uh, and on top of that move, um, I think one of the things I would like the Boston media to stop doing is stop feeding into the Brandon Carlo going over to um, Colorado. That's never going to happen. And let's face it, Duchesne's is an okay player, but he's got to fit into the Boston system here. That's not going to work either. So I wish the Boston media would just put that to rest because, you know, I'm tired of hearing it. And um, the the media around here can drive me crazy sometimes because speculation runs rampant. You know what? There are a couple of uh, older players out there right now. They keep complaining that Boston picks up with them. They pick up the wrong ones. That's why. You've got a couple of players now that are, you know, 36 to 38 years old. But they scored 40 points in their respective teams last year. And looking at Boston's scoring, after you get beyond the top five scorers in Boston, you get uh, Ryan Spooner, who's at 51 points, and then it drops significantly. And the fact that Spooner is still on the team, I'm baffled. I'm baffled at what's happening in Boston. Yeah, and in Dallas, as noted before, uh, Niemi was bought out. But that was one of the best unkept secrets known to man. Uh, somebody else I'd like to talk about, if you don't mind, is Capitals. Um, I was really wondering, and I'm really glad it was uh, Saturday morning. I was outside listening to TSN, cause, and I was getting ready for the free agency. It was opening in the morning, so I was outside digging the trench again. Um and I was wondering, some of the moves the Capitals were doing, I'm like, what the heck are they doing? I know they're having, like, uh, they're the one, very unfortunate, having Stanley Cup hangovers since they've been close so many years without actually going to the Stanley Cup. So, but, and I was like, what are some of the moves? And I finally realized it. When they made their first signing, they had to make some trades because it was impossible for them to field a team with uh, the people they had signed and who they had to sign to fit underneath the cap. So, and they said, so look for at least two trades for the Capitals. And so far we've seen one or two of them. So kind of one-way deal so they could get rid of some money. Uh, so, and letting some people go. Like the Coyotes signed a lot of to a one-year deal. Uh, uh, one of them that kind of put them in this was... Uh, 
Berkowski inks a two-year $6 million, which is fine. It's okay. They traded Johansson. Um, they traded somebody else. Uh, so they let Williams go. But it was it was financially impossible for them to feel the full team unless they started making a trade or two. Not to mention they let go James T. Shattenkirk. Yeah. Um, I really think they thought, um, and this is my opinion here, I got nothing to back this up. But I really think they were going to get a good trade offer for the grade eight. I really, really did. I, I think they were kind of put that out there to see what they'd get. And I think they were hoping for a number one or a number two plus a decent forward in return. I really thought that's what they were going to get. And everybody balked at it, which for the money he's getting, I don't Las Vegas would have been the only team I really think would have afforded to it because Dallas could have financially, but uh, it, him and Hitchcock, no way they would have worked together. No way, shape, or form. Uh, I think it would have been, I think everybody knew that. So, uh, yeah, uh, there's one other team that uh, could have made the the Coyotes, and they could have made it financially work too, but... Uh, yeah, I'm thinking that's my opinion. They tried to get offers for grade eight, but they really got nothing they wanted to for it. And I think they were hoping because then they would have a lot more room under the cap. And that makes a lot of sense uh, exactly for what you said. Because if you go back to the north of the border again, I think one team that's really going to be in trouble, uh, the very, I thought, made a serious run at the cup last year, or should have, which was the Montreal Canadiens, because all the pieces were there. In fact, even after the free agents that they picked up, they gained size. They had speed, size, and goaltending. They couldn't put it together, and that's a shame because now what you have is a cap of $73 million. You've got Carey Price coming in at $10 million a year, and then you've got Shea Weber coming in at eight. So you've got $18 million tied up into two players I got to tell you, that doesn't leave you very much for the rest of the team. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to see any other news here I'm looking at. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, it now has been uh, five years? I didn't know it was that. It's been that long ago, 2012? Wow, it, this is kind of like a blast article from the past from... July 4th, uh, and nope, nope, okay, it's different years, okay. Uh, since we're, we're recording this July 4th, uh, in the past in 2012, um, you, you, you remember all these, Zach Parsts, and he brings Suter with him, uh, signed with the Minnesota Wild. Remember that day when they signed those two big guys in the same day? Do you remember that? <laughs> Parisi and Suter, yes, I do. Yeah, and okay, since we said that, I thought that was like a key move for them. Now that years have passed, grade that signing, and then I will too. I, don't know, I, still, I thought it was fine. You know, it's what they built around them that failed. Um, I, I think that if any GM worth their two cents, they would continue to make that signing anyway. Yeah, I'll give the signing an A, but I will give their other moves a C around what they did, maybe even a C minus D plus. Uh, you, you were right. Um, good on them too, but a couple of the other moves they did was kind of like, eh. and in other news, July 4th, 2013, you know what happened that day? You'll know this one. No, I don't. Cause I don't remember my, what I did two days ago. That is the day Dallas stars and the Boston Bruins made a trade. The Dallas gets uh, Tyler Seguin, uh, and forward Rich Pervley, and defensive and Ryan Booten. Button is it Button or Booten? Do you remember? Uh, maybe Booten. I think. I want to say Button, but for some reason I remember Booten stuck in my head. So, and then when we gave up Louis Erickson, Morrow, and Smith. Uh, and I think that's the last year the Bruins really said, hey, we got maybe one more year at this push. You know, we really need it. Uh, let's go for it. And honestly, I d although I'm very happy we got Seguin because, but uh, in reverse looking at it, at the time I was like, 
It's kind of a smart move on Boston's part. Hindsight, no. But for that year, giving them Morrow and Erickson, who are, you know, pretty savvy veterans at that time. Uh, and they also got Matt Frazier, too, and Ryan Smith. So they kind of got some depth, too. But it, it just never worked out. It never worked out. And then Seguin just came on. And I think Seguin did better in another city, kind of different kind of, you know, environment, changes ways and stuff like that. So I think that went a little better for him, too. But uh, Dallas and that trade, uh, I'll give an A. And the Bruins, I'm going to give a B because they were giving up a young stud, but they were going for it. Now you look back at it, what actually happened, and it's probably C or D. But at the time, I thought it wasn't that big of a deal for the Bruins. Oh, no, I'm so completely on the opposite side of this. The short of it is that no bones about it. that was the worst move Boston has made in my lifetime. It, it Well, that and not signing Bobby Orr when they should have. But that being said, a couple of things that folks needed to remember during that time. Sagan could have always, always been brought up the right way had Boston decided they were going to do that. And the thing that really drives me crazy is they said, well, Sagan wouldn't have scored all those points in the Boston system because they're a defensive team. Oh, I have no nice words for that. The bottom line is if they knew that he wasn't going to fit in, they would have never drafted him in the first place or traded him for a big, uh, a big name a season into it rather than do what they did. That was so bungled in every way. Now, we brought in Erickson. Again, I was against that. Erickson has the skills. He's got some good hands. But the fact of the matter is this. It didn't fit the Boston system. The Boston system is a slow, bang them out grind them uh, kind of team. And and Erickson is a fly. There's no way he would have succeeded here. And he proved that. Actually, the last season, which happened to be the contract season, is when he did well. Yeah, like I said, hindsight, it's uh. But that year, I didn't think it was that uh, big a deal because I thought really thought they were going for it. I really thought, okay, this is our last gasp this year. Let's do it. So, uh, yeah, it's hindsight. Yeah, I, yeah, it's boy. Yeah, and I think what really helps again out is Jamie Ben. He does get some goals because of Ben, uh, and it's kind of nice. They are two totally kind of opposite uh, offensive players. You know, Jamie Ben's the one that can slap the shot and look at the net and see a one inch by one inch open area and hit that exact area every time. Uh, it kind of off the record, they've had him and Crosby and some of these, you know, goof commercials and they'll have like competitions in their basement, you know, shooting and they're both kind of go back and forth. Who's the most accurate. Uh, and, and again, is just the fast, you know, my slap shot is, you know, we'll go, you know, clock in at, you know, 2000 miles an hour. I'm going to put it in that spot and it's going to go in cause you're not going to have a chance to move. And I can kind of do a couple jukes. And so the, it's kind of nice having them on the same line as you got two totally separate kind of different styles. Uh, one, I think it's the yin to the yang. I think Sigin helps Ben watching them because Ben is so, I don't want to say hot headed, but he's very, you know, he's the perfect captain because he's the first person to go stick up for a teammate and Seguin knows that and sometimes again gotten a little more physical because of Ben and saying hey I'm going to go cut him off before Ben gets there and I'll take care of this so uh, I think they play off each other a little bit but saying that Seguin could have very well have found his yin or yang on Boston too. Oh he could have and had there been a different coach that could have also played into I mean you can't argue with Claude Julian's uh, game and its scheme. He won a cup. Nobody else has done that in over 40 years. So, you know, until something else comes up or somebody wins consecutive cups, as you had to go with what you had. But the bottom line is that uh, I was so against the trade because, you know, there's so many other factors into it. And in the end, what it really turned out was Dallas got everything. Boston got nothing. They got nothing because none of their players are on our roster anymore. So, um, you know, from the word go, I just was just upset that they had to make this trade 
Because they, they spend $5 million a year on Sagan. And let's face it, uh, he's an investment. Why didn't they protect their investment? That's on Boston management. And they failed. They failed miserably. Yeah, the, the one thing about Neil, he does, a general manager for the Stars, is he is not afraid to make a move. And he said it before, I don't make a move to make a splash. I make a move to make us better. And I think you see that for the trades he makes. Uh, although sometimes it is a big splash, but sometimes it's uh, two or three, like the last, not this last year, uh, the last few years of that little tiny signings he made, you know, for these players here and there that you don't see. And uh, I really like him as a general manager. I'm very, very happy with him as a general manager. So oh, he's Neil. savvy. There's no doubt about it. And like I said, I think one of the best parts about it is that on paper, they really improved. I mean, to the point where it wasn't all about making the playoffs anymore. They're talking about making a deep run. All the parts are in place right now. And the best part about it is that, yeah, if your defense is still developing, you know, like I said last week, you got Ben Bishop there who's actually running uh, everything below the blue line. And when you've got that, you've got everything. Yeah. Oh, and then I was listening to the podcast. One of the reasons Bishop came here also, did you hear that about uh, the coaching No, thing? actually I didn't. Uh, he, he is going to actually be part of the goalie defensive coaching staff for the Stars because he really wants to get into coaching when he's done, and that was part of the pitch, signing. He's saying, hey, you're going to have input on the defense, major input on the defense of what's going on. And I think he liked that, although every go starting goalie should. I think he liked hearing that. And I honestly think he's going to have some kind of coaching duty uh, when he's done playing, if he wants to retire after this contract. So I think, so, which is very nice. They, uh, I'm not saying playing into their egos, but playing into their wants, stuff like that. Besides, it's a given saying, hey, you're having input. We want you to have input, and you're going to be, quote, quote, on the coaching staff, but a player. So uh, that was nice to hear. Well, then my question to you is this. Uh, where is Eddie the Eagle these days? Is he still in the Dallas area? Uh, yes, he is. Uh, 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 he, he is, he was coaching, uh, he was a goalie coach and I think he was working on the minors, but you know, I haven't heard anything him in over a year. So if he's coaching, he's doing something where you're not hearing about it at all. Uh, so I, that I do not know. And did I tell you the time no. I met Belfer? Um, this is years ago. It was shortly after he came to Dallas. And I was working for McAfee, uh, the antivirus company at the time. And I was at their call center. And the guy sitting next to me was like, you know, like, man, my car's in the shop. And he says, uh, he, he got a call not too long. He was living with his parents. And he says, I just got to wait on my mom like three hours. And I said, well, I'll drive you. And he says, well, tell you. I said, it's only, you know, a half hour over there. It's not a big deal. Let me take you home. So I pulled in his driveway and um, parked. And I looked over, and I said to him, is that Eddie Belfer? And then he said, mowing the lawn. It was in the middle of summer. And he goes, yeah, Ed something. I think, yeah, that could be it. I don't know. He has something to do with some kind of sports thing somewhere around here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I read, this was before a lot of people had cell phones and cameras. And I ran over there, and I says, man, I just got to shake your hand. You know, I'm a fan, and thank you for coming to Dallas, you know, like that. So so I met him, and super nice guy. He stopped the more and shook my hand and said hi. Those are the greatest stories. I just, And that's actually one of the main reasons why I've always, always enjoyed hockey in general, because when the day is done, these guys are regular guys. Yeah, I think I was more disappointed than the guy I worked with had no idea. He does something in the sports, something, you know. I was like, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his house wasn't like, and Hitson, he's making some cash, and he wasn't in a big, you know, he was in the regular neighborhood home, uh, nothing fancy, you know, it wasn't a rundown neighborhood, just a nice looking standard good home, and I was like, I like him more already. Oh, before I forget, to all of our listeners, if you're actually looking for a... Uh... Uh, an interesting uh, movie, uh, and it's it's not a documentary or anything, but it's a good independent film. It's called Goon, and uh, it stars uh, 
um, uh, Scheiber, the guy who plays Ray Donovan, and um, there's a and I forget the other actor's name, but it's very good. It's actually based on a true story of a a fighter in the AHL. And um, if you get a chance and you have an hour or two to waste, totally pick up that movie. You'll thoroughly enjoy it. I've actually saw that movie twice now. Uh, it's it's a good show to watch. I think if I would have paid for it in the theater, I would have said, yeah, okay. But I've saw it twice on Netflix so far. And I was right when it came on Netflix, and I saw it again about a month ago. And good show. I'm glad you said that. Good show. Okay, let's talk some fantasy hockey. Are you willing? Oh, of course. Enable? Fire away. The first real list came out uh, the this afternoon uh, from bum, 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 uh, the NHL, their fantasy list. Okay, so that's who it came from. The first real one since I saw since some of the free agent signings. We're going to go over the list a little bit. Who do you think the number one overall rated player is? Uh, just guessing, I would say uh, I'd be surprised if it was someone other than Crappy. Uh, Connor McDavid's number one, Sydney's number two, and it's the same as the end of last year. And don't know. Uh, can I argue with them? I would rather have Crosby than McDavid, but I'm not going to split hairs over that. Well, I, I think, think because of the potential that McDavid has. I mean, holy smoke. When I saw the first game that Edmonton played last year, right off the bat, I knew that Edmonton had a special player. I mean, you, you just know it. You see it in the way he skates, the way he handles the puck. He has that extra speed, and he will surpass Crosby. So here is one. The next two didn't surprise me, but I was like, huh, okay. Number three is, I'm not even going to tell you to guess. If you want to guess, see if you can guess number three or four. Just see if you can. Then I'll kind of say some of the number next. Oh, three or four. Well, maybe Jack Eichel might be in there, but Austin Matthews has certainly got to be in the conversation. Yep, nailed it. Number three is Austin Matthews. Number four is Nikita Kucherov, which kind of was like, huh, okay. Okay. Uh, the number five is Jamie Benn. Uh, number six is the top-rated defensive man they have. Who do you think that would be? Oh, Brent Burns. Remember, this is – yep, yep. I was going to say, remember, people, not the makes of the best defensive person. This is fantasy. Uh, yep, six is Brent Burns. Then Patrick Kane is seven. Ovechkin is eight. Uh, Eric Carlson is nine. Uh, and rounding out the top 10 is a center from Pittsburgh, Malkin's number 10. Now, big movement in the top 10 from last year. Austin uh, Matthews moved up one. Uh, Kucherov moved up one. Jamie Benn moved up six, which surprised me. I thought he was in the top 10 before, but he was 11. Uh, Burns moved up two. Patrick Kane moved back four spots. Uh, Ovechkin moved back one, Carlson moved back three, and Malkin moved back to one. Yeah, I got it. Let's go to the top. Let's. I'm going to go to the top goalie and see where they're ranked. Oh, no, I was going to say, I mean, with that top ten players, you can't go wrong with any of those guys. Okay, the top two goalies are rated at 20 and 21, and there's another one at 23. So can you name two out of the three? Well, you know, it's funny. My first knee-jerk reaction is to go with Carey Price, but I think statistically Lundqvist had a better season. Yeah, it's actually rated 20. This was my surprise. Matt Murray, Pittsburgh. Oh. And it's all because of their style of play. It's all of that. 21 is Price. Number 23 is uh, Brandon uh, Holtby. Washington. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's easy to forget him because he's a capital. Yep. And looking down a ways, who was my goalie last year? And I'm glad I took him. He was, he was kind of a late pickup for me. I think like fourth or fifth round, which is kind of late for a goalie. Uh, Cam Tabbitt, Edmonton. And I was very happy with him all year. Um, and he was my starter. Then I kind of picked somebody up here and there. Um, and very happy. Um, never had like, just this where he was like shoot up with points or lose your points, just kind of hey eh, all year long, which I kind of wanted in that position. And it's interesting because I remember we spoke about him um, actually probably one of the first shows that we did together because uh, we were talking about Talbert's rise with Edmonton. And, you know, I tell you, I think that he's a, 
uh, I think he's the player that will anchor that team for years to come. Yep, I am trying to find Bishop in here. With their defense, it's, yeah, Bishop is ranked 68th, which is probably somewhere in the middle of goaltenders, I'm guessing. Which, with their defensive, he could be up higher by the end of the year, but starting. Yeah, to kind of tell you who he's around, he's in the same neighborhood as Frederick Anderson for Toronto, um, Corey Crawford, Chicago, uh, and uh, Audrey Falzeski. Uh, uh, from the Lightning. So he's kind of in that area there, which very fair. I think he's the best goalie out of the group, but with the defensive play, very understandable. Well, not to mention that he didn't play as much last year either. So I'm sure that accounted for a little bit of the drop in the action. Uh, one side note I want to make, and this is interesting. So the top 10 paid goalies, not one of them has won a cup, just so we know that. Very good. Very, very good. Um, couple, couple other noticeable people here. Um, we're talking about people we've talked about. Let me go through. Um, Patrick Lane, twelfth. Uh, I thought he'd be a little higher for Winnipeg than twelfth. Um, I actually really like him. Uh, although he's in the point where he's going to get trapped down on quite a bit because do they have anybody else with a lot of punch to help him out so maybe that's why but uh i like him as a player okay the people we've talked about in the last couple weeks again is ranked 16th okay um who else have we talked about dun 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 you have anything to say just cut me off uh kessel 27th just seems to be about right uh this one seemed low to me uh ryan johansson 45th that one uh, and Alexander Rudolph, 47th, which is, yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, that's, that's right there. Uh, so yeah, I'm just, those are kind of the people we've talked about in the last week or two. Uh, uh, anybody else? Toes, 64. Okay. Which, okay. No super surprises here. Uh, I think. It's at this point. I think you're just splitting hairs to saying, "Oh, it should be there." Um, uh, Klingberg is finally getting some love. He moved up 25 spots. John Klingberg, defense Dallas, the offensive defensive person. So uh, he's getting some love finally right there. He pushed up, and another person, the biggest mover on the list. I just looked at the list, up 46 spots. Brandon Said. From Chicago, moved up forty six yeah, spots. Yeah, definitely see that. Actually, where where is Panarin in that list? And okay, oh, another person who moved up the second highest moved up forty three spots. This surprised me, Jason Spezza. So they're going to give him some love this year. Um, oh, okay, Panarin? who are you looking for? Not sure if they're going to list him. Uh, yeah, the Blue Jackets. Uh, uh, Artemi Panarin is twenty sixth. He moved back four okay. spots okay. from last mm. year. Uh, yeah, um, you know, for a fantasy, I think that would be a really good pickup because you'll be able to get him third or fourth round sometimes, I think. And I think you're going to get out of a third round, third, fourth round pick. You'll probably get a lot of points, uh, just cause their style of play. Cause, uh, he gets a lot of those, you know, they're trapping down on and he's gone. So I think that that's one of those smart pickups, I think for fantasy, uh, kind of same with, uh, Dustin Bufflin. Uh, he's 25th from Winnipeg defense, and he plays probably 60% of the time on defense and 40 as a forward when they need one for injury. So you can pick up a defensive person, uh, and get some decent points out of him because you can stick him in the defense all year and he'd be, he's going to be like a high powered well, defensive he's also scorer. A triple threat in every way, because not only is he scoring goals and assists, but he's also getting penalty minutes too. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any surprises like between 75 and 100, you know, just kind of pick up. I love fantasy sports. I'm sorry, people, for boring you, but hey. Um, I, Brandon said 91. I am, that is, I, I, I think I was 75, 100. Uh, and Lundquist as a goalie uh, is 85th. Would be another good pickup this late. Now, this isn't, I'm not saying the best player, people. I'm saying value for around where you're at. Um, 
Suter, Brian Suter is 101. Uh, not bad. Spezza is 102. You can pick him up, and I think you're going to get some with the picked-up offense. Spezza now is truly, truly probably going to be second or maybe probably third center. Uh, so he's going to get some very positive matchups. So I think Spezza is one of those pick if they move him to third-line center where he's going to get some very favorable matchups. Uh, this one surprised me. Yes and no. Evander Kane's 111th. What do you think about that one? For I think, Buffalo? Is that just product of being on the partly team? Partly that and hopefully none of the baggage that um, he's undergoing right now in, in uh, Buffalo because uh, there could be some legal trouble headed his way. Yeah, and when the Jets traded him, they were kind of like, oh, this and that. Um, that was a trade I think the Jets did good on. Uh, they traded him when they were going for a push. He was injured, and he was going to be gone the last three, four months of the season, and they got somebody to play with him now and the next year. So it, I think that was good on everybody's concern. And Buffalo said, hey, we're we're going for a tank this year. He can sit on your reserve with us, and we'll have him. He, Although Kane I like, has he ever lived up to, to his potential? I say no. no. I agree. I think that uh, they're still waiting for those. I mean, he's had good seasons, but I mean, not the seasons I think you're expected to have, especially since you, one of your line mates. I mean, geez, I'm telling you, um, it, it should be a one-two combo that we've never seen before. Okay, I'm going to give you three goalies. They're all ranked about 125, 130. You tell me who you'd rather have: Mike Smith, Calgary; Corey Schneider of the Devils. Or Halak from the That's Islanders. That's actually super easy. Mike Smith, because he's with a much better team than those other two guys. And it's a shame that anybody has to play for the Islanders this year because that's kind of a team in disarray. Just the fact that they lock down their top four defensemen, that's great, but nobody's going to score goals for them this year. Um, and uh, yeah, that's Mike Smith, hands down. Yep, that's all I was going to say. Now, I lied earlier in the biggest move. Uh, I did not notice Mike Smith because he's in a three-digit category, not two. <laughs> so he moved up 115 spots. Uh, he was 236 last year, and he's 121 this year. That's uh, so why I didn't see him. He's in a three-digit spot, so he's the biggest mover. And it's, it'll be nice because he's going to be in a place that recognizes good hockey players. I'm just hoping that this isn't too late in the game for him because he's been around for a while it's just uh now he's in a place that recognizes uh quality goaltending okay i'm gonna give a one-on-ones and i'm gonna go up a little bit would you rather have mike smith calgary or darling carolina mike smith okay mike smith or brian elliott philly that's intriguing now that's that well, I got to think about Elliot for me. I I still think that he's got the tools there, and Philly. Jeez, I love their style of, of play, despite the fact that I hate the Flyers. But uh, you've got to acknowledge a tough team, and they're going to be a tough team. Yeah, I, I still think I'd take Smith. I don't know why, but I think it's a potato potato type thing. Okay, so would you rather have Elliot or Anderson for Ottawa? For me, a no-brainer. Can't buy into Craig Anderson because prior to his stint in Ottawa, he was just a goalie, a journeyman on the way out, and he seems to have found new life in Ottawa. Um, I'm I'm not sold on him. Okay, so you'll take Elliot. See, I'm still Mike Smith, so Mike Smith or Anderson, I'll take Anderson. Uh, I'll take Anderson. So Mike Smith or Anderson, Mike Smith. would you rather have? Okay, okay. Um, okay, Elliot... Or Lundqvist. Lundqvist. That's that's easy. Okay, I'm with you on there. Lundqvist. So far, uh, would you rather have Lundqvist or Corey Crawford, Chicago? Oh, that's a tough one, because because we were just talking about the <laughs> highest paid goalies of the top ten highest paid have not won the cup. Crawford is, I think, the fourteenth highest paid goalie, and he's the first one to win the cup. Um, I will go with him. Crawford, it Crawford. is. Yep, I'm just going Crawford. No, I mean Lundqvist, just because I don't know anything about Chicago's defense. I don't think they do either. So as of now, I'm going to go Lundqvist, but I think as a pure goalie talent, Crawford, but I'm going to go with Lundqvist because of that. Okay, you're you going to rather have Crawford or Anderson? Crawford. Toronto. Okay, Crawford or Bishop in Bishop. Dallas? 
Uh, give me some love there. Yep, I'm taking. Uh, I'm right there with you. Um, okay, this. I think this is a tough one. Uh, Bishop or Valeski from the Lightning. This is a tough one. <laughs> it's it's really tough because I saw Vasilevsky play and I do like his playing, but um, I'm not sure that Toronto. I mean, uh, Tampa Bay actually did right the right thing this year and uh i mean they've got they've got the good players still there uh i'm still gonna give the edge to bishop yep i am too just for the fact uh tampa bay is one of the teams middle way through the season they find a way to do a trade or something just to make their team unstable i don't know why they do every year they make some trade and it's like well the, okay so that's the only reason i'm saying that uh and uh, so okay, so now Bishop or Jones? Well, actually, I'll tell you what. Let me just take a quick step back, very quickly. I do want to comment on the Lightning and their trades. I think that this year they need to really focus on a trade for Stamkos because Stamkos has to go. I think that he's a highly talented player, but they've done more without him than with him. So, uh, yeah. Would you trade him right now for a number one pick? And you know it was probably going to be the pick was somewhere between uh, 18 and a 30. Most likely not. I think he still garners a, a top pick um, because of the talent that he brings. I mean, make no mistake about it. I think he's he's certainly up there. He's, he's definitely a potential top 10 player. But I think in what the Lightning have right now, they could trade him and get something a little more useful to them. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Um, Bishop I or like Jones. Jones. In fact, Sharks. Boston should have never given him up. And uh, uh, the, again, I saw when they traded Luchik out to um, uh, Los Angeles last year. I mean, year before, it was like I was ecstatic because I was like, "Yes, we're getting Martin Jones." Because I remember when he broke into the NHL and his first game was a shutout against Montreal. It's like we need him, and then we got rid of him the same afternoon. Yeah, I'm going to say Jones, too, just for the fact the South San Jose plays really good, sound, back, defensive play. Uh, uh, Bishop's going to have to win a lot of one-on-ones because Dallas will give off the matchup. So I'm with you on uh, Jones right there. Okay, Jones or Jonathan Quick? You know, Kings. Jonathan Quick always flies under the radar for me because – and it's not for lack of respect. I, I think that he's a good player. I just – he's flashing, gets the job done. I'm going to go with Quick on this one. Yep, I'm going with Quick, too. Uh, the only thing that scares me with Quick is he gets injured a lot. That scares me. Okay, Quick or Dubnik? I, I don't trust anybody from Minnesota anymore. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, but, uh, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to stick with Quick. Okay, I'm still sticking with Jones. I like Jones a little more than Quick. But, I, again, I think we're a potato-potato right here. So would you rather have Quick or Rennie? Quick, Nashville. because i got to tell you, when Nashville needed Rennie to show up this year, he did not. Okay, I'm taking Rennie just because, strictly, this is fantasy, and he's going to be good fantasy points all year. So that's, that's I'll take Rennie for this. But I think in pressure situations, you might be right. Okay, would you rather have you're still on quick, um, quick or Rask from Boston? Oh no, or shouldn't you should, I ask? You should ask because um, I would still go quick over Rask because one of the things that I think we still have a problem here in Boston is Rask and his gut check because when we need him to show up to games, he was woefully missing in them. Okay, I'm taking Rennie too over Rask uh, because I'm I'm on Rennie so far. Um, would you rather have quicker Allen of St. Louis? Anybody over in St. Louis. That's a train wreck over there right now. Okay. I'm right with you there too. Um, I'm on Rennie. You're on quick. Uh, would you rather have quick or Gibson from Anaheim? Oh, that one is a tough one for me because I like a lot of what I saw in Gibson this year. I just hate the ducks. Um, so I'm sticking with quick. Yep, I'm taking Rennie. Uh, they scare me for the exact same reason. I'm just going to say ditto. Um, would you rather have Quick or Josie from Nashville? No, no, still Quick. Okay, I'm taking Josie over Rennie. So I, I'm Josie. Would you rather have Quick or Bob Solov, Jackets? Oh, but 
Bobrovsky. Sorry. Bobrovsky. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Any goalie that plays for them, I yeah. don't trust either. So uh, I'm sticking with Quick. Okay. Quick or Cam Talbot? Uh, I like Talbot, but not over Quick. Okay. Uh, would you rather have Quick or Holtby? I will Washington. never choose Holtby for anything. Although, if we're talking fantasy, this is one of the few times I will take it. Okay, Holtby. I'm too. I'm right there with you. He dropped down six spots. So that might be a really good value pick. Uh, Holtby for where they're at and Quick, if you guys are listening to this. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to know your answer for this. Holtby or oh, Price? Without a doubt. I think Hands we're both down. with Price. Okay. Uh, Price or Murray? Price until Murray gets another cup under his wing. Okay, that's same with me. So for me and you, our top goalie me and you would pick is Price. But I'm thinking we're both thinking value-wise, I think uh, uh, Jonathan Quick, I think value-wise, because he's all the way down uh, one, two, three, four, five, six or seventh round, uh, whereas Price, you're looking at a second rounder. So I think value-wise, I think Quick is one that's of your value picks you for goalies. Pick- a price in your price or Lundquist in your first uh, first round. Um, Quick is a great great number to go with. Yeah, and Lundquist, uh, where was he at again? He was another good value. He was actually below Quick. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, let me and just while you're searching on that, I, after we wrap this segment up, I will put the question to you: Your top three picks. Uh, for fantasy next year when uh, you go drafting. Okay. Yeah, Lunkus was 85, so he's after quick. So, uh, well after quick. Uh, quick is 53. So, if, uh, two, I think three value picks around that area where you're getting a top goalie, where you're not spending a top third round on him, would be quick, Bishop, or Lundquist. That's my opinion. Nice. And out of those three, Bishop, I think, is third. I like Lundquist a little better for fantasy. I think long-term, I think Bishop, but pure fantasy, we're talking here. Yeah. Out of those three, I I think Bishop would be third. I agree. Okay, your question. My top three who I would take. Now, is this, I get the number one pick, number one, one, and I get the pick, or is this my best value pick no, out of all, all the con- of the draft? If the conditions or, or do you were both, or do you perfect both? in an ideal world and you got your choices of your top three picks, who would they be? Okay. Um, McDavid and Crosby, hands down, two centers. Uh, and I would want a really good winger to go with them. Um, so, boy. Uh, couldn't go wrong with Ben Kane, uh, Sagan, even maybe Lane, but I'd probably say Kane, uh, just so I could have a good winger too. McDavid, Crosby, and Kane, two good centers and so a winger. For me, I would go uh, McDavid, Price, and Burns. Okay, okay, kind of going there and there. Okay, I can see that. Now, value wise. Uh, pure value of a pick. Um, and it kind of has a Boston, uh, uh, a Boston Dallas in. Tyler Seguin is 16th. So you're getting him mid-second round, and he can take over a game and give you a true top top five scoring. And he's usually up there. Uh, he's always, it's weird, he's always 15 to 25, but then he always ends up with, if he's not injured, in the top 10 in scoring, which don't understand. And with the additional offensive power, I think that's going to help him out even more. So I think value pick him. Uh, another person that kind of flies under the radar that's up there, too, that might be a value just because he doesn't have the big name. Uh, if I tell you St. Louis, who do you think of? Oh, geez. Um, uh, the Russian there. Yes, exactly. Tarasenko. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, he flies under the radar. He doesn't have the name, so he's ranked at 13 here in a lot of drafts. He slips down 3-4 just because he doesn't have that Lane, you know, Marchit, Ovechkin, Kane, you know, Etchell, he, he doesn't have that name. 
and he's the market he plays in. So he kind of slips a little too. So I think value he's decent all decent there also. And my only thing why I don't think price is a good value is price and Murray, although they're ranked 2021, 20, they will go in the top two rounds. So they are gonna be somewhere probably 14, 15 pick, I'm thinking, maybe even before. And that's too high of a pick for a goalie for me. It's kind of like in fantasy football, taking a quarterback in the first two rounds. Ain't going to do it. <sighs> so, yeah, I've actually, so I've had some success with this kind of pick. That's why I think until I have a really, really awful season, I think I'm going to try and stick with that to see how it goes. But your point is well taken in terms of least. So I may reconsider that, that um, tact this year. Yeah, like it says, yours, you were just picking for a team. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with you if you're starting a team, getting a top goalie. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I just went a different route. I want a little more offensive firepower. So that that's why I did that. So, hey, we are running long here. So uh, we better start wrapping this up. Anything yeah, before we uh, finish wrapping it up? Yeah, my next value player, and then we can call it. Uh, I would say that... If he can get rid of the the chippiness out of his game, Brad Marchand was emerged last year. Let's see if he can do it again this year too. Yep, he's eleven right there, and he's a couple ahead of Trinsko. And Marchand, kind of the area he's at, they have him. They have him around Malkin, Carlson, Lane, and Ter, uh, you know Tersenko. So he's right there. Yeah, I think the only thing that scares me about that is. Teams can trap down on him because who does he real? Who do they really have that can take over a game like besides well, Marchand? He's who does paired Boston with have? Uh, Bergeron, and I, that's the ideal setup here because Bergeron wins sixty percent of his faceoffs. So as long as Bergeron is on that line, you're going to you're going to get shot, and he'll always get those shots. Okay, yeah. Okay, now I was wrong. I forgot about uh, Boston uh, Pasternak. Pretty good. Uh, okay, okay. I feel better about that pick, what you said with Pasternak, because uh, he's, he's got uh, some game to him, too. So that's why I'm worried about them just trapping down on him all the time. But yeah, okay, that's no issues with that. Okay, after that, people, if we, this was too long, we apologize. Uh, and if it wasn't long enough, hey. Sorry about that, too. But uh, any comments, questions, corrections, concerns, or you want to join us, uh, just let us know. Email Tracy at podnuts.com and join us there. We normally record on a Tuesday night. If you just want to hang out with us, you don't have to talk or do anything you want to, or you can come and come in. Just let me know. Thanks, everybody. Take the time with your busy schedule downloading. Listen to this episode. Everybody have a good day. Good week. Good week.